0: So, today I have the privilege of talking to you about the pastor or shepherd gifting, which is a part of the apest or the fivefold gifting. You may realize if you've been taking notes or paying attention that this is out of order of the AP. We've done apostle, we've done prophet, next would be evangelist, and then shepherd or pastor. Um, So, if you take notes religiously, leave like two or three and then hop back to those next week or whenever we talk about evangelists. But today we are covering shepherd and pastor gifting. Um, And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever read a list of weaknesses and said, oh my gosh, who read my diary? Today, when I was preparing this message, I was exploring the shepherding gift. And what I stumbled upon in my exploration is something that was referred to of shadows of immaturity in the pastoral gift. And as I read those bullet points, I immediately screenshotted them, circled it in yellow highlighter, sent it to a friend and said maturity loading because every single shadow i have seen in my life which is what i want to present to you i think we've been reminded a lot over the you know the last 3 or so weeks that we've covered this fivefold sermon series we've been reminded of the necessity of these gifts to be working in unity in the body of be operating in unity um, and I want to emphasize that again for you because these gifts... And so I'm, so I'm, I'm pinning this like we do. Like I'm going to pin this to the front of the sermon and then we'll, we'll lighten it up a little bit. But when these gifts operate, as you, grow, as you learn about them, as you identify them in your own life, in your own anointing, in your own calling, these gifts, when operated in isolation or in immaturity will not reflect the heart of jesus so these gifts must be practiced must be grown into and must happen within the community and within the body in order to do what they are supposed to do which is um, and i think this is my first slide the natural function of these gifts is to equip the church to reflect jesus to the world Right, so it's not just to understand how God is using you, but it is to understand how God has gifted you to transfer that to others in the body to ultimately reflect Jesus to the rest of the world. And that has to happen within community. And that has to happen through the gleaning of these, casting away of these shadows that can happen with immaturity. We'll visit that a little bit later. But I just wanted to pin that at the top of my sermon. Um, I've been starting sermons kind of like heavy lately. I don't know that might be my thing Um, moving forward, I guess. Um, Something that's super encouraging is that the apostles, Jesus, and God the Father serve as amazing examples in scripture of pastoral leadership and I also want to say we are most definitely not talking about like the office or role of pastor within the church like I'm, I'm not preaching on Steve Rossi today right and I think we all know that but I want to remind us like we are preaching on this pastoral gifting which is lavishly spread among this body the amount of people that the lord has gifted to shepherd others in his community is mind-blowing and encouraging right so steve or the leadership or pastoral staff they are not the only ones burdened and also not the only ones pastoring right now there is so much pastoring happening in our body and that's a beautiful beautiful thing but scripture is full of examples for us um, because God Himself and Jesus Himself are our good shepherd. And why is that I, I think some of the most impactful sermons I've ever heard are when people describe why this title of good shepherd was would resonate so fully with the hearers of God's word who are who are hearing him declare himself as good shepherd I've, I've heard so many sermons where they kind of display well what did it look like to be a shepherd why is this something that the Lord would use as imagery for his followers to understand what he does for us so let me share with you a description that I stumbled across this time of a shepherd in historical Palestine and I think it will not be hard for us to immediately identify passages in scripture that these practical this practical information immediately draws our attention to so in early morning he being the shepherd led forth the flock from the fold marching at its head to spot where they were to be pastured here he watched them all day taking care that none of the sheep strayed and if any for a time eluded his watch and wandered away from the rest seeking diligently till he found and brought it back. In those lands, sheep require to be supplied regularly with water, and the shepherd for this purpose has to guide them either to some running stream or to wells dug in the wilderness and furnish with troughs. At night, he brought the flock home to the fold, counting them as they passed under the rod at the door to assure himself that none were missing. Nor did his labors always end with sunset. Often he had to guard the fold through the dark hours from the attack of wild beasts or the wily attempts of the prowling thief. So many scripture passages come to mind with that example of what a shepherd is. So much of the rich imagery used in scripture to communicate directly to the heart of people who were following Jesus. This is what it means for Jesus to shepherd and guide you. Look at this practical, real-world example. This is me covering you and guiding you and tending to you and caring for you. So I want us to take heart and know as we step into this gift, as pastors in this body uh, grow in their maturity, as your heart is, is beginning to stir to care for a community, we have rich examples in scripture for us to understand what it looks like to pastor well, to, to exhibit the pastoral gift. Um, and today we are going to look at um, a passage in Acts 15, 36 through 41, and it is um, a passage where we see Paul um, pastoring. Um, So let's read with me. If you wouldn't mind standing, this is a really short passage as we read um, the word of the Lord. (laughs) Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Uh, You guys can take your seat. So I will note, we kind of have the beginning and end of this passage really hit where we're exploring today. The middle contains like a, a tension, that existed between these followers of jesus that's just a reality um but one of the beautiful things that even with this tension that exists this little disagreement and parting of ways we now have two missional journeys birthed from one two people going out and sharing the gospel um so even in light of earthly disagreements among followers of jesus the lord can use that to birth mission to to take us uh further on his purpose for us um earlier so this is chapter 15 earlier in chapter 14 paul and barnabas spent considerable time in um i can never say iconium i'm gonna say say iconium So in in Acts 14, 3, we see, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time in Iconium, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So this is an area where they had preached the word of the God, and they started to experience tension between the non-believing Jews, who were not okay with the message that they were sharing. And so they were attempting to pull the Gentiles back, from falling into uh, believing what message and gospel was being preached. Now, oftentimes in scripture, when this happens, we see, you know, tension rise up, people go off to another land to continue their missionary journey somewhere else. Here, Paul and Barnabas facing oppression, see what's going on in their heart for these baby believers, these new believers is, we will stay we will spend considerable time tending to their heart, reminding them the truth of the gospel to strengthen them before we leave. Because that is the compassion that the Lord has given us for these new believers. They stayed to strengthen those who'd responded to the gospel here. So what does this mean for the pastoral gift? What unique features do we see coming out of the pastoral gift? Well, in this example, we see the mark of the shepherd, which is a continued care of a specific community. And I would say a God-initiated overwhelming concern for the continuing care of a specific community. In short, one person said the basic premise, I love these people. And because I love these people, because God has initiated this compassion in my heart to see them follow him more fully, I'm going to plant myself here and care for them continually in order to see that they begin to walk further in their journey with Jesus. The work of the spreading of the good news of the gospel had been accomplished. They had shared the good news. They had done the Great Commission. The foundation that uh, Steve referenced last week, you know, we said there's a foundation that is built when the apostle and the evangelist come into a place and they build this foundation, they spread the good news. That is where the pastor comes in and said, let's deepen, let's root this truth in the hearts of these new believers so that they may be strengthened. So that even in the face of oppression, even when we leave, This foundation is rooted in the truth of the word of God. And they are tended to. And that is where the pastor and shepherd comes in. Um, And I think the key component to this. I love that. Is the continued care. And that is not to say that someone else. Without. With another gifting. Is not concerned for the continued care. Of the body of Christ. But I do believe it speaks to. A capacity that is given to someone with a pastoral gift to plant themselves and commit to continually tending to a specific group this is a capacity that only comes from the Lord me and my flesh does not have that capacity apart from God sharing a piece of his heart with me a piece of the space that he has within his heart to say I will plant myself here and tend and love on these people because God is asking me to do this in order to point them to Jesus. It looks like an individual looking around at where the gospel has been shown or there has been an encounter with Jesus, maybe a radical encounter, maybe a small encounter and saying, Jesus just blew up this person's life, big or small. I just witnessed them repent. I just witnessed them receive a measure of healing. I witnessed them being delivered. I witnessed them encounter a new understanding of who Jesus was. Let me come alongside to help and continue to point them to Jesus. So that they can step out of encounter or growing up people used to always talk about like the spiritual mountain or the high when you like went to youth camp and you just experienced jesus in this amazing beautiful way you went to the altar it was amazing in that scenario the pastor goes okay i want to take you out of encounter and into a daily relationship with Jesus. I want you grounded in the word of God so that this encounter can manifest itself in your life. So that mountain isn't just what you're looking for the next time. The mountain manifests in a daily following of Jesus. So the pastor said, all right, let's take this awesome moment and point you to Jesus and say, this is what it looks like every day. Not as cool or as exciting. Moments for sure. But this is the reality of this encounter manifest in your life. So, it is a step out of encounter into a season of what I said was following. I leave my encounter and I go, now I get to follow this amazing Jesus for the rest of my life. How do I do that? Alright, the first mark of a shepherd. So, this is someone. This is, this is your heart. Given capacity. For long-term care of a specific group of people. The first mark of that shepherd is sacrifice for sheep. Protect. Care. Strengthening of the weak. Um, Search for the lost sheep. We heard in that definition, if one was gone, we see that in scripture as an example. Um, Pursual. This person is highly relational. And they are typically beloved by all. That's kind of a nice perk to be beloved by all. <laughs> and it, this person works well with other gifts. So when you are you are you're planting yourself with this community and you are loving and tending to, um, and you often operate well with apostles, and evangelists, and teachers. You see the need for their gift to bring along the body. So God-given capacity. We see this in John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I make sacrifices for the sake of you um, being brought into the fold and gathering you and bringing you along in your walk with Jesus. I stop, I tend to your needs. What support is needed here? how can i help envelop you into the fold oftentimes a pastor or shepherd is more aware of people who are on the margins people who are not uh, running with the rest of the people full speed they identify them they go back for them and they tend to and not only do they do that they acknowledge and affirm their purpose and their place in the body and push them towards the fold so to say you do not belong out here It was not just a one-time experience. This is who God is. This is who you are in his kingdom. Come, you are an intricate part. So it's time spent affirming people who feel like they are on the margins to know that they don't just have to wait for another encounter, that they are a part of the body of Christ. An integral part and an important part. And that takes time. That takes time to speak against lies of the enemy. That takes time to pursue healing again and again and again. That takes time for someone to understand their identity in Christ and be brought back into the fold. And that just might mean a little bit longer time spent in the trenches. And that is where that capacity piece from Jesus is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, he gives the patience to be in the trenches and explore these things with one another let me go back let me think of like paul like paul in that passage let me think of those new believers what their needs are and let me make sure that they are strengthened for the walk let me not just drop and go Let me tend to their needs, which is that second mark, which is tending to the sheep. So we sacrifice time, we sacrifice space, we sacrifice um, energy to to love and lead. And we tend to the sheep. Uh, One person said, what meaning the phrase, I am the good shepherd has for a weary soul. If your heart has ever been in a weary place, the truth that God the Father is your good shepherd and the reality of that in your life is one of the biggest blessings you can encounter. When you're in a dry and parched land and you have a heavenly father who's going to lead you to water and take off that burden, what an amazing promise from our heavenly father. It immediately communicates the father's ability to guide us, protect us, care for us, and provide for us. All all responsibility is given to him in that moment. So the shepherd, a shepherding heart, a shepherd gifting, tends to the weariness of the body. They tend to the weary places. They point people to the good shepherd. Because I may have a shepherding or pastoral gift, but I'm not the good shepherd. I point you to the good shepherd. My capacity does run out. And only when we go to Jesus do we find the true relief from the burden and weariness that only comes from the presence of our Father. I love this. Someone said, All responsibility is laid upon his broad shoulders and all tenderness in his deep heart. And so for us, when we step into the care of the good shepherd in the care of a shepherd... All is asked of us is simple obedience and quiet trust. I can lay my burdens in the hands of the good shepherd, knowing he will lead me and guide me and protect me and care for me. And that's where we get that familiar psalm in Psalm 23, 1 through 4. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul he guides me along the right path for his name's sake and even though I walk through the darkest valley I will fear no evil for you the good shepherd me added that (laughs) are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me I am a sheep looking to my good shepherd going this is terrifying and exhausting and I don't know what I'm going to do but you are walking ahead of me and you are leading me and you will lead me to good pastures. And that is the place that we can tend to the body. We can be the person that says, Come, let us drink, let us rest in the presence of the Heavenly Father. So we have a shepherd who sacrifices on behalf of the sheep. There is a tending to of the body in this case, so a tending to, a long-term tending to where do we need Um, refreshment of our soul, refreshment from our weariness. And there's a third mark, which is build, building community and team. So I've planted myself in this community. I have capacity to sacrifice and tend to them. And so this gift protects and tends to, this gift equips and this gift builds. Um, In my own walk, I have learned often that when I recognize, so this is the equipping and the affirming and building part. When we've walked through the trenches and we've cried and we've prayed and we've cried and we've prayed and we've, prayed and we've cried and we've, and we've prayed and we'll do we'll do it until we don't need to do it anymore. And we will cry and we pray. Oftentimes I'm given um, just this overwhelming sense of a person's um, like the the beautiful call or anointing on a person's life or, or a strength that I see in them. And I know that's not just, you know, I say this a lot, but that's not my flesh. If I'm overwhelmed when I look at another human being and seeing the beautifulness of how God created them, that is from the Father. So oftentimes this looks after our crying and our weeping and our praying or in the midst of it our crying and our weeping and our praying. It looks like a recognition of strengths of anointing um, of an individual to discern the needs and recognize how to identify them. So it can be simply like you hear from God. I've seen it and I've heard it. And then the midst of the trenches, I affirm in Jesus name that you are hearing from God or you love others so well. That is not just you. You have been given a gift by God. You speak about the gospel so freely. I cannot do that like you. Look what God has done in your life. Look from where you've come. Look how much healing has taken place. Let's testify to that and remind ourselves of that. These are God-prompted recognitions of something that he wants to affirm in the body. My flesh is far too sinful and selfish to do this apart from the heart of the Father. So as I'm tending to, as I'm sacrificing, as I'm bringing into the fold, I am not saying that I, I am also affirming your place and your identity and your calling and saying, this is who you are. This is who God wants you to be. This, look, look what he's done. Come into the presence of the Father. Come along in your journey with Jesus. So this is a, a building of community because once I identify that and affirm that in you, the body equips you to be a reflection of Jesus, right? This is, this is me stepping into my gifting to help you step into your gifting to ultimately help us as a body reflect Jesus' heart into the world. So you hear from God so well. So if you are prompted to speak truth, speak it. You have been healed and have a testimony of healing and that testimony is healing itself. Speak it, do it, go. This is what God is doing. We've done this messy work in the trenches. Now it's time to come together in our gifting and go and be reflections of Jesus. And the fourth mark is just that authority is very relational, right? So we have this, this, these sacrifices, this tending to, um, this building up of this is who you are, um, this is your identity. And then it's it's a relational leadership. We lead, leading by example and a trust, oftentimes very trusted by the flock. The shepherd is very trusted by the flock. That brings to mind John ten fourteen, a little bit farther from um, the previous verse that says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. The relationship that is built in the trenches cultivates trust in an understanding and in a relationship um, that allows for the affirmation and sending to take place. Like, you know me. We know each other. We know each other. Like I, there are people there are people who know me, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, before healing after healing, and have spent the time covering me and pastoring me. So that I trust that when they say God is asking you to go, God is asking you to do, I trust them. And I go and I do because I know that they are actually reflecting God's heart for me because that trust has been built. Cool stuff, right? Very cool stuff. And I think that a lot of us can identify pastors in our own lives. I think we can identify those people who God has given to be in the trenches with us, who sacrificed for us, who tended to us, who spoke truth over us, and who built, equipped us to walk in our calling. It is not hard for me to think like five people right off the top of my head in this body, in this room, <laughs> beyond this room, who have pastored me. And if this is something that you sense stirring in your own heart, um, I have been given a burden for a specific community, for a specific group of people. I've been given this burden, and I feel like the Lord has given me long-term capacity to ride with these people, to ride it out through thick and thin, um, you may be stepping into a pastoral or shepherding gifting, and there is amazing leadership and pastors here that you can walk alongside and grow with. But here's where we get back to the shadows that exist. Um, I want to point them out, because as this may be stirring in you, I'm to I'm going to talk about them, and you're going to be like, "Oh, I've seen Mary do those things." Um, <laughs> or you're going to say, "I've seen these stir up. It's just. What happens, these shadows that exist in isolation of this gift that I think help us understand the beauty of the unity of the body in these gifts, right? So, a pastor or shepherd can be skeptical of the other gifts, right? So someone who's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tend and sit in the trenches. But those apostles and evangelists get to up and leave and go do new things and make things beautiful and, and, and they can not affirm the necessity of the more outward gifts to fully accomplish God's purposes. Right? They, can, they can maybe value, well, but I'm here tending to the sheep. But how could I tend to sheep who haven't even heard, who haven't heard the gospel, who haven't had the gospel broken in? That, if that foundation doesn't exist, there's no flock. We can overlook... The gospel expanding from the community God has given us a heart for. So we can tend to so closely, so long term, that we don't continue to spread the gospel. We can fall, pastors can fall into peacekeeping versus peacemaking, right? So in my desire to tend and care for, I may try to keep the peace versus confront which is something that I think the prophet is beautiful in doing in, in, in telling, speaking the word of truth to someone or a group of people to identify what needs to be stirred up or, or evicted from a community and that would ultimately bring shalom and peace but if I'm just tending to I could miss that shepherds may tolerate people who need to be confronted in their desire to care for them Right? So, so I want to tend to them, and I'm afraid to confront sin or I'm afraid to confront something in their life. Oh man, this one. <laughs> Not task oriented, so duties can pile up as they tend to people. Right? So I am so hyper focused on these people and loving the people and making sure the people are okay, the, the tasks are just going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> often very busy. Tend to be optimistic, which can cause them to hold on to things for too long. Right? Okay, so this is, I think as you hear these things, I hope you hear what you've learned about the other gifts and see how a pastor or shepherd needs the evangelist, needs the uh, apostle, needs the prophet, needs the teacher to shake up this safe little flock tending right that's happening in order to see God is over here now bring the flock this way you can still tend to them but this is what God is doing don't get so focused on loving on them that you don't see that God has already moved over here right and we can enable a level of dysfunction by always believing the best of people Again, we are, this is the necessity of the other gifts to speak truth into stuff as we are tending and loving and caring for. To say, God is over here and he is calling that person out of this place in order to bring them fuller into his, his kingdom, right? So, so the most holy and loving thing to do is to not allow them to stay in that place, but to draw them closer to Jesus by identifying the dysfunction, by identifying where they're at. And that takes the shepherd trusting the good shepherd, because I'm not the one ultimately, we are not the ones ultimately caring for the sheep. So if God is calling out a dysfunction in someone's life, a sin, a a pattern, something that's going on, he will tend to them as that is being gleaned from their lives, as that's being pulled out. So me as a shepherd cannot try to circumvent because I'm fr- I am afraid. love, I love these people and I don't want to see them hurt and I don't want to see them not healed and I don't want to see them um, struggle with what pulling that out of their life will do. But ultimately, I don't want to see them not encounter Jesus. So if Jesus is, is doing that, I must follow Jesus in that so my main point for this 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 um sermon is that at its core the past the pastoral gift is a God initiated sharing of Jesus's heart towards a community of people right so God initiated this long-term tending to and care and it's ultimate purpose is to tend to and equip them so that they can go and also be a reflection of his heart into the world. In the midst of glorious encounter or devastating grief, it is the heart of the pastor to come alongside their God-given community to care for, tend to, equip, and send out followers who understand who they are because of the blood of Jesus Christ, how he has anointed them, and how they can go out into the world to reflect the heart of Jesus Christ. So someone who experiences the good shepherd or shepherding can say, I am tended to, and ultimately I am equipped to tend to others through the care of the shepherd. There was another page. Oh, there it is. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I wanted to talk about something before this. I'm going to say it now. I often try to think about, you know, often it is beneficial to pull stories to apply, right, to help us apply real world. Um, but there is a beautiful, concise picture of shepherding from Jesus that happens in the upper room that I just want to touch on where in in three chapters Jesus exhibits every outworking or manifestation of the shepherding gift so I'm just going to fly through them real quick Christ shepherds the disciples by instructing them in humility okay so when we go into the upper room there's this Passover feast that he's having with his disciples before he is betrayed to suffering and death right what does he do he washes their feet so immediately he shepherds them and guides them in what it looks like to be a servant leader he shows them immediately I am the shepherd this is how I lead I go low and I wash people's feet He also identifies the hardship that is coming for them. So he doesn't just make them look through rose-colored glasses. He says, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to get betrayed. I'm going to die. And guess what? I am still the savior of the world in the midst of that. And so he comforts them with the truth of the victory of him on the cross. They're really confused in the upper room when they hear this news. And so he comforts them, tends to them, and speaks truth over them. He gives them gifts. He loves on them and says, guess what? You're going to get the Holy Spirit. Take heart. This is going to happen, but you are going to get this. And then he empowers them to bear fruit into the rest of the world, right? So we're tending to. We are... We are relationally showing servant leadership you are washing my feet we are tending to fears and concerns that exist on this night that is terrifying we are tending we are empowering them to go and preach the gospel and ultimately before christ is betrayed he intercedes on behalf of these followers of him to the father so, I just want to um, whoever 's playing at the end can come up, I guess i don 't know who that is, Jake. Um, I just want to point to Christ today i could have I could have continued with examples um, that were super practical, but when when I read this this list, I was like, "Let us just end." dwelling on the fact that Jesus Christ himself has given us the most perfect and beautiful picture of what it looks like to shepherd his flock. He cares for them. He leads by example. He empowers them. He affirms them. He tends to them. And ultimately, that care, that work in the trenches, that work on a night when he was going to be betrayed to death, that work led to the gospel being spread to the ends of the earth. That, that work led to his followers knowing in spite of anything and in the trenches, in spite of anything that's going on, Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. They were affirmed and tended to so that when the reality of the gospel, which was messy and awful, awful, took place, They didn't have to rely on the good feelings that they experienced during his earthly ministry. They relied on the truth of the gospel that is regardless of what happens tonight, I am still God. I am still leading you. Holy Spirit is coming. You will be tended to by the ultimate good shepherd. So when we look at Christ in this example, we know that we are tended to and we can be equipped to tend to others and reflect Jesus to the rest of the world. Let Christ be our example.